Hey guys, it's Tuesday night and welcome to Tuesday Night Hangout. We are here, we have Jade and Will uh, with us. And tonight we're gonna be talking about- um, Hey guys, it's Tuesday night. What you, welcome to Tuesday what, Night Hangout. On. We are we are going to be talking about what we um, expect after six months of getting out of school. So um, anybody that's in the chat, you know, if they want to list what they expected six months was and what actually was at six months, that would be awesome. Uh, just to kind of give a, a realistic overview of um, what somebody, if somebody was learning how to uh, learn how to fly, uh, what to expect. Um, so, uh, Will, what was your six month um kind of you know at, at that six month point where were you at uh the six month point i was probably at about i don't know probably about 125 flights or so um i guess you looking back at it when i first decided to do this sport and uh I didn't realize that's what we were going to talk about tonight, but <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I should probably read more. But uh, when I was getting into the sport, there, there was, I was, there's the way I thought I was going to fly. And then there was the way that I actually flew. Um, so, you know, when I first started, I thought, you know, I was going to go to the airport any time of the day, just, you know, launch and, and go to it. Of course, we all know that's not the case. We fly in, uh, in the early evening or early morning hours, usually, unless we've got cloud cover or uh, other. But uh, I just kind of, I, I took the bull by the horns and I flew every chance I, I could get. It's only recently that I let really nice days go by without flying. And this is what, after a little over a year and a half. Yep. Yeah, because uh, I think that's what we all think is after we get out of training, we're going to be aviators and we're going to be flying to work and flying to restaurants and the things we see on YouTube. Um, and it was, yeah, a, I don't want to say a rude awakening, but boy, let me tell you, it was a, a, a different uh, experience um even for me at at our at my six months i'll let jade talk for herself but at my six months um you know i i was taken off uh you know no problem flying around no problem and getting fairly comfortable um and then actually just recently you know, and this is kind of how things, I thought about this. Well, two, two reasons. But recently, I started doing uh, a little more training. And um, they had me taking off in heavier winds. And I was kind of, I'll be honest, I was, it was a little nerve wracking. But then I always remember my instructor in my ear, always saying, you're not going to just fall out of the air you know, that just never happens. I don't want to say never, but you know, I mean, it just, it doesn't happen. Something bad really has to happen for that. So I started to fly more and more in the wind. And now I actually, I enjoy it. Jade and I were down doing a course um, at our school and He's like, all right, you go up. And I did. And I was having fun. I was bouncing all over the place. But I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't to the point where it's like, man, I really want to get down. I was at the point where it's like, all right, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to ride this wind and I'm not going to let the wind control me. I'll control it. So it was, I was having fun, you know, um, with that. And, and so that kind of was like, okay, what should new pilots really, you know, look at, you know, at the six month point, um, realistically. So, 
Shane, what, uh, what was, what was your six month point at? If you can remember that far back. Oh, stop. I've only been blind just past two years. Um, I was scared to death. Still at six months. Uh, I didn't like uh, bumps. My tolerance was not up in where I thought it should be. Um, I was very, I mean, I, I didn't pull break hardly at all during, during, you know, for turns or whatever. And then, uh, you know, actually, I want to say my first, within the first year, I went to the SIV course, right, almost right at, uh, right before my one year mark. And that was a game changer for me. So, um, yeah, these, these bumps and stuff now, it doesn't really bother me at all. I just, I know what the wing's going to do and what it can do. So I don't worry about it as much. I do try to, you know, when the wings jostling back and forth or swinging left or right, I do control that. But before my six month, that would have never have happened. I'd have landed a mile down the road and just said, somebody come get me because I'm not doing it. <laughs> but now I'm, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm late. I was having tile issues. And then I got really frustrated. And then, uh, yeah, so now I'm having dinner and uh, hanging out with you guys. Not a problem. That's what we're here for. And Jade, where were you at your six months? First off, hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Um, I would say at six months, I was still hanging on for dear life, like a cat hanging from the curtains, um, bump tolerance wise. And I think just maybe just recently, I started to break that and like when we were down at our school a couple of weeks ago, um, I went up um, later midday after Eric went up when he was talking about his uh, bump tolerance, um, having a little bit more fun. I went up after him and I thought I was going to lose my cookies, but um, I actually managed to do it. And um, I'm working on my turns a little bit more now. Um, my very micro mini wing overs, um, I'm getting at least some, um, what do you call it? Turns my wing is what are you getting any G's now? Um, I think I got it once and I was kind of like, I'm not sure if I like that yet. (laughs) So I'm, uh, just taking it step by step I'm we talked about this before we went on tonight and I said I'm just glad that I'm in the air because not a roller coaster person not liking heights um so I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now I'm in the same boat I'm happy with the progress that I've made it's been slow but it's been steady and I haven't really scared myself. I haven't had any uh, real, any kind of incidents while I'm doing wing overs or spirals. Um, so I'm comfortable and I go just a little bit harder each time. And when I say a little bit harder, I mean, normally pull four inches of break. Now I'm pulling four and an eighth inch of a break <laughs> the next time. So yeah, it's, I mean, I'm not, trying to do anything spectacular other than just have fun and and uh, keep it entertaining for myself yeah you know and that's I think that's the biggest thing right there is don't you you always want to progress at your own rate you know don't um, do something because you saw something on YouTube or you saw something on uh, that your friends did. Now, um, earlier today, earlier, uh, okay, uh, 10 minutes ago, I, I, I reached out uh, to Mike Cotter, and I see that he's in the chat. Thank you very much, sir. Um, and uh, he's 
is over in Michigan and he is at uh, Fly My PPG. Um, there's a school over there. And I reached out to him and said, you know, it'd be good to see some of this expertise that he has, reaching out to a more of an advanced pilot. Um, and these are some of the things that he said. He texted me this. He was going to come on, but he's exhausted. Um, and I totally understand. But uh, he said, you know, the first thing at six months, the pilot is starting to become confident in their overall skills. Landing on their feet, taking off without flaws is more consistent. However, this is the danger zone. Overconfidence creates complacency, which in turn will create some type of an incident for that pilot. Typically a botched landing uh, and landings end up with broken prop, uh, some bent equipment, possibly injury that could result in a visit of the hospital to the hospital. Something is looming if that overconfidence overshadows the complacency. So I, I, I totally agree with that and I can understand it. Um, I was at that point where I was pretty confident that I could take off and land without, you know, doing a butt landing or coming in and landing on my knees or even taking off. Still to this day, when I'm using too big of a prop, I seem to go through props and lines, but that's a whole different issue that we just won't get into. I'm starting to have a wall of props looking like our schools around the state. Um, the second one he, he, he wrote to me here, pilots are most likely to get into some type of an accident or incident the first month or two out of training, right around the 50 hour mark and at the two hour, 200 hour mark. Um, so, you know, kind of shows, I think you get um, a little comfortable at the 200 hour mark and i think we are coming up to that jade and i um and it's something to really watch out for i have noticed for me my i i, I would like to learn more of the not really the wing overs but the energy that is building up in the wing oh you um, mean acro yeah, but I'm not really calling it acro because I know you're not. <laughs> Everybody knows why. Because exactly. I'm here. <laughs> um, I, I would like oh, to learn more about the energy that builds into the wing and how to disperse that out of coming out of a maneuver. And I have been playing with that a lot lately. Um, because I want to learn that before I do the barrel rolls. So um <laughs> so uh, um, micro micro mini barrel rolls correct you know but i know that there's a i know that there's a point that it's safe extremely dangerous and then safe again and it's that extremely dangerous that that's a that's that's a lot of um degrees there that that wing is at yeah nick griffith in the chat energy management that is exactly correct and that's one thing that i really really would like to learn so um and i've been doing as much as i can to learn that but not having too much of a success so, so how are you building up energy in your wing are you doing uh wing overs or well, when you're doing a wing over you have that energy that's built up into the wing and usually it's going to roll into either another wing over or uh into a um spiral you know going down and i usually will do another wing over and then when i come out i'll do a turn you know and that's how i'm dispersing the energy in the wing um but I have done a few wing overs that you can actually feel a lot of that energy, you know, that's built up in that wing um, that you don't get out. And usually you just pendulum, basically. Um, and that's a good way to gift wrap yourself. So that's why I'm, uh, 
uh, just really watching that because I don't want to gift wrap myself. So, but there again, you know, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be a statistic either. So, uh, but anyways, that's the energy that I'm talking about. Uh, and I think we've, we've all felt it, you know, doing wingovers, you know, just that extra energy that's in that wing. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, that real uncomfortable feeling in your stomach as you're about to come back down into the other side, you know? Yeah. I know what that feels like. Well, that was after you ate, that was after you ate at the uh, Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. Here, here at uh, Swanee, this past flying that they just had last weekend, I I was pulling probably the biggest and hardest uh, wingovers I have ever done, and it was to the point on the wingovers. Instead of just doing this, it was actually like swooping. I'm almost certain if I was to reach out and get a wrap on one side or the other and just get that going again and pull hard, it would go all the way over. I'm, I'm 100% positive of it. I just don't have the cojones on a 27 meter wing to, uh, <laughs> to pull that extra wrap and pull it. Uh, right. One of these days it's coming. I mean, I'm going to find myself at 5,000, 6,000 feet and I'm just going to yank it. And well, What's the worst that could happen? I don't know, but I give Eric's left nut to see you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Will. <laughs> so, I was looking back. Uh, it just so happens that I documented my journey for the first year. But uh, about six months in is when I had one of the spookiest flights of my flying career. And it was a midday flight. And there was some cloud coverage and it was, you know, being honest, I did not respect the winds aloft. I, you know, the ground, you know, I checked the ground, the ground went surface winds and yeah, everything was good. But man, as soon as I took off, I knew I had made a terrible, terrible mistake. And that's the one that I did a, a downwind land, I, uh, the, a downwind landing on and uh, could have turned out a whole lot worse. But, Here's what came out of that flight. Kyle, uh, Kyle said, Kyle Oglee said, after watching the video, he said, the wing was flying just fine. You should have just stuck with it and, and turned around and, and did what you had to do because your, your wing was flying just fine. Okay, so there was that. Then a buddy of mine said, well, at least, you know, your wing can take that. And he's right. You know, I got, I was thinking about that. Yeah. I mean, I, at least ever since that time, my bump tolerance has, it, it just skyrocketed, not, not to a ridiculous, I'm not saying that it, it made me cocky or anything. I still respect wins a lot now, uh, but it, it gave me the confidence I needed in my wing and my equipment to where I wasn't so <laughs> nervous about everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, uh, Mike Cotter said uh, there's a six-part series that Shane Denherdner, I, I pronounced that wrong, did on energy management. I share it with all of my students. It's absolutely invaluable. That would be something that I would really like to look at. Me as um, well. And learn a little bit more about it. I will... I will tell you that at um, Bad Apples, um, Four Winds, PPG, Lauren, and Shannon Michaels was there, and I showed him um, my wingovers video and my spirals, and Lauren looked at me and said, Shane, everything looks good, and I absolutely love how quickly you can stop your wing from oscillating after you come out of it. That gave me a whole bunch of uh, confidence in what I'm doing as well. I was, I asked them to tell me what I was doing wrong. Cause I want to know so I can fix it. And he said, everything looked good. And he loved how quickly I could stop my wing from, you know, con energy management. And I was just like, awesome. So I went up and did it again the next day, <laughs> just a little harder. There you go. 
Um, I did. I did find out this weekend what I am uh, not prepared for. So when you're doing wing overs or spiral downs, you can actually, the G-forces can actually um, pull the gas back out of your carburetor and stall your motor. That's not a big deal. The big deal is I've been leaning on with my energy management using my throttle, the thrust, to compensate for some of the uh, energy management. Well, twice I did it um, and I lost the motor. And I did not correct the wing quite as well as I did when it was the motor was running. So that taught me a little something, too, about uh, energy management. And, I mean, I'm depending – I shouldn't say I was depending on, but I did not realize I was depending on my motor to help me. Once the wing surges backwards and then comes forward, you check it. But I've also been adding a little throttle to just kind of level it out a little quicker. And I didn't have that option when my motor died the two different right. times. So that was, that was interesting um, that I, you know, I ended up figuring out um, on those two times. And I was like, all right, I'm landing. I'm, I'm, I'm off. You know, I actually was flying, <clears throat> I think it was Friday night and I just couldn't get in the groove. And instead of pushing it and trying to get in the groove, I just landed and said, all right, it's, it's dinner time. So I started making dinner. I just didn't, have you guys ever gotten to that where you, you you're flying and you're you're just not in the I don't want to say the right mindset because I was wanting to fly but it just I couldn't get in the groove so I I landed and I was just like I'm done with it before I end up screwing something yeah I've I've done that where I was flying around um I it's I think my groove involves Jade so much that if she goes in early, I'm going to go down early too. Um, I'm just, because ever since day one, it's been Jade and I flying around. So if she lands early, then I will usually cut my trip short. Not that I'm making question, question, question in the chat from uh, Clark's video. Mark, uh, <clears throat> Eric, do you see that? I have no idea the answer to that question. Question for the gang. When wrapping your line in your hand for pulling brake, does it have any bad effect on the Kevlar inside the string? I'll no, you can take a wrap all the you can take uh, a wrap and right before you land you can you know do everything. I mean you're not kinking the lines. Yeah, um, I mean one of those lines can what hold what what is it, three hundred and something pounds or four hundred and something pounds? Uh, yeah four i think it's 400 400 pounds or something like that um i fixed that problem by shortening my brakes and um i don't have that problem no more the uh i've never once had to take a wrap not one single time between the i've never taken a wrap either shortening of the brakes and and using appropriate trim I just haven't found it necessary. I have. I've taken After, a wrap. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Eric. No, I just I've I've taken a wrap to see what would happen. Of course, then you end up getting your throttle all caught up in your lines, and it just ends up being a little bit of a, a mess. So, but I have done it um, to see what it does, and when I come into land, and. It's easier to learn instead of taking a wrap, it's easier to learn to land properly. I guess it would be something to say because uh, I was doing it um, to see if I can slow down my run, but come to find out I just was not landing properly. So now that um, I land better, you know, after, you know, doing this for a year and, you know, um, I've learned to sh I shorten the brakes and learn to land properly and everything's good. Life is good. Yeah. Um, now the, after, uh, go ahead. I was going to say after uh, bad apples, I, I turned my wing in for inspection and asked uh, Shannon to uh, shorten my, my brakes. I think she did two or four inches. <clears throat> the very first time I flew that thing, I was scared to death because it was 
before I had to pull a little bit. Now I just had to think about it and it was, it was already in a hard turn. Now, I mean, it's, it's helped me flare at the end uh, on landings and it's been much easier. I haven't had to run as hard and flying now is, is extra nice when uh, you don't have to pull seven, eight inches of line to, to get a hard turn. You only have to pull four or five. So yeah, I, I'm all for shortening your brakes. Um, Clark's video said he was thinking about shortening his lines like Eric, but the instruction man, instructional man, manual, Jesus says not to do that. If it says not to do it, I wouldn't do it. Yep, don't do it. But does it say to take a wrap? See, I mean, if if you're having to take a wrap, to me, it sounds like something's not set right. That is correct. But the instruction manual is is a legal <laughs> thing that oh, they're absolutely. telling you. One hundred percent. They are telling you don't do it. They're telling you not to tie in your tip steering. They're telling you, you know, they're telling you this because of legal reasons. But then he's saying that they're telling him, now I'm going to have to pull it up and look at it, not to shorten the brakes or not to take a wrap. Uh, the not to take a wrap part, I understand. Yeah. So the other thing is, is I think it's Mac para chargers does not recommend tying in the 2D steering. Which, yeah, the charger, that's a, that, that, and I had a charger, and it is notorious for coming with really long brakes. And oh, so yeah. I, I had to shorten my brakes because, well, there was just no other option. You didn't hook them to your toes? <laughs> no, <laughs> just about had to, though. I know. Yeah, so Steve, the, you know, to answer, Clark's video, Steve, the instruction manual that comes with your wing, those are recommendations because uh, they don't want to be involved in a lawsuit. You are always going to be the pilot in command and uh, you and your instructor will be the ones that make those decisions. Not Eric Lear. Not Eric Lear. <laughs> um, let's see. He if my brakes are parked, there is no slack in the pulley. Then the num brakes are too tight. You're supposed to have some kind of. Uh, so, well, how is explained to me by Shannon? Um, when they shorten the brakes, when you're flying, if if your um, trailing edge is already pulled down a little bit, they're too tight. It should be no stress on the on the tail end of your wing <coughs> until you pull brake. But if you're pulling brake, say five or six inches, and nothing's happening, then um, my, what she explained to me, you're able to to uh, shorten your brakes because I guess over time your lines do stretch, and I don't know if my lines had stretched more than normal or whatnot. But when she took the I want to say it was four inches out of my line. It was actually, I can look that up and tell you exactly. Um, it literally made that a whole new wing, to be honest with you. It was awesome. Did she replace and it still the line is, too? Yeah, I had, because um, I had that brake issue at uh, Bad Apples where my pulley had actually gotten a wear mark in the uh, pulley. So every time I pulled brake, it was taking the, uh, the outer sheath off of the line. And starting to get into the brake line, which <clears throat> with that happening, your brake, let's say one of your brake lines goes and you look up and you're holding a brake that's not attached to nothing. How in the hell do you land? <laughs> I just, I just want to know, cause you can't flare. Apparently you can grab your, your, D. your D lines and flare at the last second, I guess. But good Lord. I, I mean, I can't run 25, 30 miles an hour. I can tell you that much right now. <laughs> yep. Grab your D lines. Mike, uh, Mike Cotter said most wings, you will have to make an adjustment with the length of the brake lines. A good rule of thumb is to have no more than four inches of brake travel before it engages the trailing edge. So that's, uh, there you go. 
So let's see. He did write one more thing in here. So around the six-month mark, a lot of pilots are starting to explore further out in their areas, which is awesome. It should be vent- uh, it should be venturing out. They just have to keep in mind that the basics always have an out. Always fly at an altitude that allows you to survey the hazards. Check sky vector for any airspace considerations. Set flight distance goals. What I mean by that is pick a spot at five miles, go out, fly around it, or land, and then head back. Next, go out eight or ten miles each while therefore exploring a little bit further, but have a destination. This will give you a much better understanding of navigating uh, their paramotor based on various weather conditions. When they return uh, back to do a few touch and goes or spot landing to practice your skills, climb up to a thousand feet, shut your motor off. Yeah, that one right there uh, is something that we were, Jade and I were doing in just wonky air. And it was, uh, I think doing it with clean air is one thing, but when you start getting in uh, gusts and rotor um, and in thermals, boy, that's got to, (coughs) it takes some practice. And we worked on that for hours uh, when we were down there, Um, but it was fun. It was actually enjoyable to learn what you have to do to that wing to get down uh, in your particular spot. We had um, motor on, what what was it, five feet? Five feet by five feet square. And we had to land in and motor off was 15 feet uh, squared. And in wonky air it's it's challenging but we both did it so um jade was on her trike i was doing foot launch i still have my trike to do um down there and then we'll be good on that training so but uh it was it was actually fun so um and that's what we're in this sport to do is have fun and enjoy it um now, there were some people that were talking, and they're six months, and I want to scroll back up and look. Uh, Deweese, at my six months, I was just getting all of my gear together so I could fly. I was going to bring that up. I'll come back to that one. Um, a lot of people, you know, we kind of talked, what was it, last week when we had the show about schools, whose schools are the best, and how to pick a school and stuff like that. A lot of people come out of schools and not have gear still, or, you know, they are purchasing gear um, while they're in school. And because of the situation uh, that we're in right now, gear is kind of backed up. Um, So, you know, I can understand that they're just waiting to get some gear. um, And even at the six month mark, like Deweese said, you know, she was gathering up gear. And I think right now um, that issue is worse than ever. And hopefully they're coming out of that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, where a lot of people are at six months and then they just, they want to get into the air. Um, So if stuff like that happens, hopefully the school that you signed up with will allow you to come back set that gear up, do hang tests, break that motor in and get you up in the air. Even though you graduated, you know, hopefully that instructor will allow you to come back and give those opportunities to you um, and get you up safely. Hey, Eric, there's one thing, if there was one piece of advice that I wish I had when I first started, that I could give to somebody looking to get in the sport is even before you go to training, pick an instructor, think about gear, hook up with a local group and establish some relationships with some local guys or girls or whatever, so that you're like comfortable. You're not just showing up with the motor on your back saying, Hey guys, let's fly. You know, just kind of establish that support group because 
I don't know how it was for anyone else, but the real training for me started after my training when I started the fly, you know, and right. 90% of what I learned happened from that local support group, local yeah. support group, making it sound like an AA meeting, you know, just local group of people uh, or pilots. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's good to have, well, there's, it's good to have people that you can talk to. You can always bounce ideas off each other. It's a safety aspect because you're not flying alone. Um, you know, there's just, there is so many positives to that. And absolutely, you know, and, and you can also find out where they went to training and, um, you know, see, see what the pros or cons are with their instructor or instructors. So, hey, I mean, I do, I, I do want ahead. I do want to point out the only pair of pair of family that showed up at Swanee is in the chat right now. So I want to give a shout out to Brian Waller and Red because Jack and myself had a awesome time hanging out with the Waller and the Waller Holler and Red. Uh, Jack and, and Red played for all day, all night long, and Jack was not the same until I think I got home from work yesterday. He finally started running around, but he was dead <laughs> the entire ride home and uh, all day when we got home and the next day, he was just absolutely beat. It was awesome. Well, then I want to get a, give, give my shout out. I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy, Mark McElroy. Yesterday, last night when we were doing the sign off, I did a peace sign and I covered up the logo on his t-shirt. So I screwed up my sponsor, I guess there, but anyways, I'm wearing the shirt backwards <laughs> tonight. So you can really see the logo regardless. Well, well, it's, it's inside out. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Uh, yeah. Mark, Mark is lost right now. He's in the chat when he's supposed to be on here, but uh, he says he's out camping. Uh, that is the absolute worst excuse i've ever heard in my that's like the dog ate my homework so i know yeah he can be in the chat what's up with that i I know hold on hold on mark's wife actually spent the evening or the night with mark and his camper for the very first time and that apparently went very well so well that she woke up the next or this morning and uh went and got a facial because she was super excited about sleeping in the camper all right, the facial thing is true. <laughs> the rest of it is all penis. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, so who do we have in the chat? We have Josh Perry, Tony, Aaron, I, Bill H, Jim from Canada. Uh, of course, Mark and his camper. Um, Mike, <laughs> Mike Cotter, Angela, Josh. Steve Clark, uh, Randy and Deweese. We have Brian. Um, let's see. We have Mark George. Who? We have Nick Griffith. I saw that. Let's see. You got Hot then, Butter Productions. Did Steve make he it here? Up. He just we got showed Linda. Up. Hey, Linda. Linda, I tell you what, I'm just going to tell you now, when Jade and I come over to that fly-in in the northern part of, no, yeah, northern part of lower Michigan, man, I don't know how to say that, um, at that Torch Lake, we're going to swing by and we're going to grab you and you can go with us to a fly-in. You can have the whole back of the RV. You can, that'll be your area, but it'll be fun for you. When, that when is place, that one? Uh, it's a fly-in in, in the, the southern part of no, the northern part of southern Michigan. I don't even. What do they call that? I, I'm that would so be North up. Michigan, wouldn't it? If, huh? That wouldn't that be North Michigan, the northern part of southern Michigan? No, because they have a upper peninsula they call the UP. It's not in the UP. It's on the south side of the Mackinac Bridge. Anyways, it's it's called Torch Lake. It is. It's super cool. When I'm, is it? Huh? When? Summertime. When? Summertime, summertime. Ah, 
Yeah, it was after we came back from Moonshiners. Um, but it was it was pretty cool. The the this this guy bought this runway or airport and he he flies, but he also flies PPG. He actually was one of Mike Cotter's students and uh, it is awesome. Uh, yeah, it's Torchport. You take off and you can see Lake Michigan on one side. And I think it's uh, the Torchport Lake on the other side. It, it's just awesome. It really is. Um, Where, yeah. It's called Torch Lake? Torchport Airport. Torchport. Oh, Mike Cotter said late May. Mike, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to be there, but we would like to get a spot on the runway to pull our fifth wheel in there. So. Torch porch? What's it called? Torch what? Torch port. P-O-R-T. Port. Oh. What was the uh, the guy's name? that had the videos on energy management uh let's see let me look here oh jade says she had it she has it pulled up maybe she could share a link here um i don't see a torch port or torch port michigan on my maps it's on Torch Lake, Mike said. So look at look on Torch Lake, and it's just to the west between Lake Michigan and Torch Lake. There's a little runway, little airport. Um, and I mean, you think the Bahamas has blue water? This this was this was cool. So, and then last. Uh, Torchport is the name of the airport. Last May was the first fly in there. So definitely one to want to go to um, if anybody can make it. Oh, uh, the fireworks. That was the one with the like municipal style fireworks, right? Yes. Dang, what that was an awesome show. I mean, better than any better than what we have around here. Hey, Will. Will, you want a carpool to that one? What? The southern, northern, central Michigan? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, man. I'll swing by. I'll swing by, pick you up, and we can uh, trade off on driving. It's, oh, uh, yeah, maybe. It's about twenty. It's about uh, twenty-one hours from my house to there. So about half. This will be about halfway, or not even. No, so I don't want to hear no nothing about that because you know how long of a drive it is to bad apples thank you very much anyways no, um coming down to see us well i know you can come up to see us anyways uh so hot buttered productions wants to know how far away mike cotter is from us uh mike's about seven hours away unless you um go across the lake lake michigan on the ferry which costs like eight million bucks it's expensive i guess so linda anderson says torch lake is 43 minutes from her that's why i said we're picking you up linda yep get ready linda sounds like random time is finally upon you yeah it's uh yeah brian brian i think you need to gather up all these nitwits and bring them with you so but it's it, it was cool it was it, it really was neat um an ex excellent fly-in so uh but anyways um yeah so back to our six months so we got let's see we did we did one thing on training and picking uh instructors which was a good one i think and then this one was um what to expect at six months what you do during training is up to you and your in instructor but um I just wanted to kind of touch base on that topic. Um, I just don't want to see anybody get hurt. The uh, Mike said also the 200 hour mark is something to be uh, 
um, quite careful of. So I'm fast approaching that. I think I'm at 170 right now. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of us that are going to be approaching that. And I think it's because we get a little confident in our skills, which gets us into a little bit of trouble. So that's funny because I don't know. I'll have to look back at that and see what, 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 uh, how much time I had when I did the Creek thing. And I went to the <laughs> Creek might've been around. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I've been right at 200 hours. <laughs> you know, there's a correlation to that too, as a flight instructor, those, those same studies have been done with uh, new pilots and new pilots are like super, super safe because they're by the book, you know, they just make sure everything is just right. And then you get cocky after a certain period of time. And then your risk of having an accident goes up. So yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, Steve Clark says, uh, just think, Linda, you're finally going to get up in the air. Well, Linda, just so you're aware, by then we will have our tandem trike and our tandem ratings. So, yes, if you would like to go into the air and willing to go up with Jade, um, she will. By the time you land, Linda, you will have your PPG-1. <laughs> or or you're just be PPN. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, that'll be uh that'd be a good time. Um so on a lot of these newer pilots, is is there something, you know, out in the chat, is there something you guys want us to do research and look into um for you guys? And I know that. Um, hot buttered Steve, uh, is, you know, he's wanting to have a channel on just, uh, basically new pilots and things that they can ask, but, uh, and that's going to be awesome. Uh, but until you get that going, I mean, is there anything that, um, we can reach out and get information on to let, uh, you know, um, you know, or to, to help you out or lead you in the right direction so you can get some uh, answers, you know, for what you're looking for. And then Jim have, asked a question about how, yeah. how deep into a wingover can a person get before, it be, before it's dangerous. Um, about the time you ever been on a swing set and been swinging as high as you can and start get light in your seat and then you get a little air and then it come down and and you keep going. Um, that's that's about where you start getting dangerous into a wingover and especially if you're not pulling outside brake into your wingovers, um, you, get, you can take a tip collapse. Yeah, it's when those it's when those um, lines go limp. That's when it's bad. So yeah. that's why they say that there's a, the micro mini wingovers are okay. You get into that angle where those lines get um, limp and that's where you can actually end up gift wrapping yourself or you fall through your lines and now you're tangled and it's a mess. Um, the... Um, that's why you see them when they do barrel rolls, they'll get into the throttle to keep uh, pressure on those lines. Walter wants to know how my bathroom is coming along. It's coming along very slowly. Um, <laughs> between, we have three, I have I work in a small department, like less than nine people. We have three of them out with knee injuries. And uh, so I'm having to work extra hours to cover um, the overtime stuff, fly-ins. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm about midway up the wall, and I'm into the difficult parts of cutting out the windows, the window seal, the, the, the niche, cutting around the uh, diverter, all that stuff. So I got some work done tonight got frustrated after two wrong cuts and uh so i'm here that's why i was late <laughs> i was gonna 
I was going to be live, but on mute and let you guys watch it. But after I messed up on two cuts, I was like, oh, thank God no one saw that because I'm an idiot. So I quit and we cleaned up and here we are. That's the very stuff we want to see, Shane. <laughs> should... uh, let, listen, <laughs> I cut the day, I cut the tile wrong and then went outside and made the exact same measurements and cut the tile wrong again. I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm over it. Oh, so man. it's coming along, but slowly. So you're saying the neighbors are going to have to listen to the wet saw again tomorrow? Yeah, that's the other thing, too. I mean, by 8 o'clock, I don't want to be out there running the wet saw. Um, and again, I work late tomorrow, so I won't get home till five thirty, six o'clock. I mean, what good is it to throw together some thin set and try to cut tile until 8? There's really not enough time, so I think I will uh, just hold off until Thursday and Friday. And then uh, all day Saturday and Sunday, and I should, I should, my goal is to have all the tile work done by Sunday afternoon. Right. Uh, the floor, the floor is easy. I just have to get these last, once I get above the window, once I get above the niche on one wall, the window on the other wall, and the diverter, it's, it's pretty simple after that. It's, it's not that hard. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm a little frustrated with work and having to work as much as I am right now because, well, you got three people that are out on injury, not their fault, but there's two other people who like to call out sick because they don't feel like coming in and covering anybody else's work. So there I am going, yeah, I'll do it. I'm not happy about it, but I'll do it. Right. So, and this bathroom, I'm, uh, just seem to be throwing money at it. So this overtime, instead of normally, I just do comp time. But uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, I could use the extra money. I got a four hundred dollar vanity to buy, a two hundred dollar sink or a faucet. Uh, Chris is killing me. Huh. Hey, Eric, um, have you heard? What's that? I can't believe the word. No, I was watching the six o'clock news, and it appears as though. Jade has a new chicken. Jade does have a new chicken. <laughs> we, one of the teachers that she works with, well, you know what? I will let her tell you, but I do want to say one thing. Um, hey, Walter, how are you? Uh, and when I was asking, you know, what would you guys like to us to find out and get answers for you? Bill H says, yeah, uh, how to retire and travel to fly-ins all the time. So that you're going to have to talk to Will and Waller. Shane about because um, I have to work. No, Waller. Yeah, no, talk to Ryan Waller. Waller not retired, not he's retired. the one that, sh one, one week he's in like Wisconsin, next he's back in Florida, then he's out in Texas and uh, the, the guy's oh, all DP. over the place. Hey, DP? Isn't he in like England? Yeah, what was DP? that about? So I don't know. I have no idea. But anyway. I think he's in London. Yeah, I'll let I'll let uh Jade talk about her chicken. Well, I chicken. was what did you what did you see, Will? Something about a new rooster. Oh, yeah, yeah. So last Saturday, um, it's been kind of planned for maybe this past week um, that we try a new rooster out. And he's a, the gentleman is a teacher. He's a shop teacher at school and his wife is a secretary. They apparently have 12 hens and um, my past rooster was killed by the neighbor's dog and... Um, so we're going to try it again. And we've got a, I think he was born this spring. This one is afraid of humans. He runs as fast as possible. Um, kind of like banana. Um, but seems to be doing okay with the adjustment of hanging out with the girls. So that's it. So how's he doing with the new, wait, he's a rooster and banana is... 
Banana's a hen. She started laying eggs um, about two, three weeks ago. Okay. Okay. So they're not both roosters. All right. And so bananas. Um, today, Eric came home and he took a picture for me. Uh, those two were hanging out together. And um, I actually have banana in with the, the four other hens that always pick on banana, which is one of them is mom and uh, seems to be doing okay right now. I think like the, the family that gave us dust ball is his name. Um, they said that the rooster apparently calms down the pecking order. So I'm still learning this whole chicken farming thing. So <laughs> it was just a COVID <laughs> boredom thing. Let's try this. <laughs> How does he crow? Um, he, he's not as loud as Henry was, but, um, he's young. Um, he goes about four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> I don't know if we heard him tonight or not, but he's not as loud. My neighbor, neighbor, Mary did text me today and say, when did you get a rooster? I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> she goes, no, I thought it was the coolest thing I heard. So yeah, that's what she said out loud. That's not what she thought. Yeah. Hey, while <laughs> Eric was talking, I found the video um, when we were in Torchport, Michigan, and um, I put that link in the chat. So if you guys wanted to check it out, I know Shane was asking temperature wise then. And we were wearing shorts and then sweatshirts in the evening. So. Well, I was I was asking that because um, instead of pulling my trailer and everything up there, I would just drive my truck and use my tent. And I was wondering if I needed my air conditioning or not, but it doesn't sound like it. No, I don't think so. What when did Mike say it was um, in end of May? Yeah, uh, no. So Jade, with you having chickens and everything, you don't eat those, right? No. So would you rather eat a baby goat or <laughs> um oh what's the other one? Um oh never mind. I'll come back later. I can't think of it now. Sorry. I'll leave us My head is all screwed up. Let's see what else. Oh, would um, you would you rather eat a baby goat or a wrong baby? A what baby? A wrong baby. What's a wrong baby? What's a wrong baby? Nothing. What's wrong with you? If Sorry. you're not, if you're watching this uh, on not on video, Eric is not laughing. <laughs> uh, no, I'm laughing inside. Anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I do want to throw one more thing in on our six month uh, chat. Uh, Mike said at six months, the average pilot probably has 25 to 35 flight hours, which really isn't a whole lot. They're still newbies and should treat themselves as such. So um, like Shane and Jade, myself, we're going to be coming. I, I, I'm not 100% sure where, we're, where I'm at on hours. And I know that I'm getting up there on engine hours. But you got to remember that's idle time, warm up time, stuff like that. Um, and I consider myself still a fairly new pilot. Uh, every too. time I, every time I go up, I learn something new. Um, I try to do it the safest as I possibly can do. Um, I am kind of the I'm the guy that will sit there and watch. I'm a sponge. I like to learn things. So I am constantly watching videos on even, even on weather, airspace, everything, you know, I just, I want to know as much as I can. Um, 
for the safety aspect is the main reason, but also, you know, so I don't create a problem that can affect others in the sport. And I think that's, that's huge also. So, um, no, just, uh, you know, I'm, I, I thank Mike Cotter very much, uh, fly my PPG. We will see you at the Torchport fly in, um, hopefully get a couple of these other guys out there, um, from these shows. It was an amazing fly in, uh, the owner is a amazing guy also, um, He's got a story. I would love to have him uh, on one of these shows uh, to tell his story. Um, I'm not going to get into it now, uh, but uh, thank you very much, Mike, for the information that you have provided all of us. I want to show, let's see, I want to screen share this and I will try or not. Hold on. Talk for a second. Let me find what I'm doing here. Or or not. Talk. I was yes. just going to say, or not. Okay. I um, so what is there to see around uh, Michigan Airport there? Well, so what Jade and I did is we flew in the mornings and we flew... Hold on a second. Is Jade Robin the show? Get the hell out of here. Anyways, we flew in the morning and then um, we went over to Mackinac Bridge and wandered around there, which um, was kind of busy. All right. Can you guys see this? Yes. You see the shirts? Yes. All right. This is one of them that Jade has been plugging away at. Um, there's the front. And of course, everybody has seen these. Uh, this one, the same one. And then this one is my favorite. So I think all the girls need to be uh, getting that shirt. What's a small writing on it say? Man, I love flying. I don't know how to make it bigger. Let's see. How's that? I see it now. Jade's been busy making uh, making shirts. Um. So, but what? <laughs> okay, this is why you're not <laughs> on the show. Anyways, I'm not sure um, what's going on there. Right. Getting ready for Thanksgiving. Anyways, I'm going to cut. It is eight o'clock. I'm going to cut the live. Um, Jade's going to put the uh, after show information in the chat. Um, you all are welcome to come join us and talk to Jade about her shenanigans that she's doing on there. Um, uh, and check out the other shows we have on Monday night. We have Clear Prop TV. Tuesday night is this show. Wednesday night is Jade's show, paramotorgirl.com. And Krista is on there with her. On Thursday night, we have paraglidingtalk.com. And then on Sunday, there is going to be a new show with um, Hot Butter Steve and Josh Perry, and they are going to be making fun of videos, paragliding videos. Uh, I think it's all going to be in good humor. I hope, hope nobody takes any offense to it, but with uh, them, it should be pretty comical. Can't wait to see uh, 
a show, and I think they're going to be doing it starting this Saturday, Sunday, sorry, at 7 p.m. Central. So check that well, out. Well, I have a I have a video coming out from this past uh, fly-in that uh, they probably will end up making fun of because I was doing a cross-country and had to land and go to the restroom. And it's pretty funny. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So let's see. Jay, did you put that in the show? And I see the passcode. Uh, okay. So hopefully she's she got everything in there for you guys. But anyways, um, you all have a good night, and we will uh, talk to you later. Bye, guys. I see the password. I don't see the invite number or whatever, the meeting yeah, ID I number. I don't see that either. Oh, we'll, we'll put there it. There it is. Okay. <clears throat> All right, let's see. I am going to stop this, maybe. Stop recording.